Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Morning. Uh, this is the first time in my life I've lived in a state where I did not have to touch my clock related to daylight savings time. So that's kind of fun. Thank you. Yeah, it was short-lived because then I realized I had to keep track of all the other time zones now. Okay, that means, that means my son now is actually two hours ahead, not three hours ahead. So, so it was a short-lived win, but I'll take it. It was, it was fun. It was fun. Well, we are almost done with our fall series in the book of Galatians. We've been spending uh, the fall through this incredible book of the Bible, talking about the gospel and, and grace and just God's plan for us to understand those uh, concepts and how they are life-changing for us. Uh, we just have a couple weeks left, and then we're going to be um, uh, having, having a special Sunday where we're going to look at uh, just the theology of thanksgiving. As we prepare our hearts to have a, a special time, we should always be grateful but a special focus on Thanksgiving. We're going to have a special message uh, from a special guest speaker. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Ooh, this is mysterious, right? And uh, that'll be uh, here on the 19th. And then we're going to start our Christmas series, and it's called Advent Conspiracy. We're really going to try to talk about what it means to forfeit our wants to help other people have their needs and get back to just some of the, the meaning of the Incarnation and Christmas. So that's where we're going to be going. But in the meantime, we have a couple of, uh, more rich weeks finishing up the book of Galatians and understanding the gospel. And I just want you to know, like, whatever brought you in the room today or online today, uh, the gospel has so much to do with it. Because your pain, your disappointments, your hurts that you carry or that you've given to others um, are because people yourself or others, have not applied the gospel or believed the gospel. And your joys and your strength and your peace are there because you have believed in the gospel as followers of Christ. And when I say gospel, I want to come back to you know, a working definition of what we provided for you when we started this series, that when we say gospel, we mean the good news of God's redemption of sinful humanity through the life of death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so when we believe the gospel, we believe in who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for us, and we put our faith and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, not only does God forgive us of our sin, not only does God make us right with him in relationship, but he also gives us his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. You are talking about the spirit of the living God, like we're just saying, that's living inside of us and guiding us and directing us and nudging us and leading us and giving us margin to obey or disobey those nudges and to uh, benefit from the fruit when we do and to experience the consequences when we don't. And so we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. But here's the key understanding. The Holy Spirit leading and guiding us and developing in us the, the fruit of the Spirit like we talked about last week and, and this whole life, victorious life that comes with walking in the Spirit is not designed to happen in isolation. And what we're about to see is what it looks like when a community walks in the Spirit together. Like, yes, as, as individuals, we're responsible to walk out our lives led by, directed by the Holy Spirit. But we as a family of faith, we as a community are also supposed to walk in the Spirit together. 
well, what does that look like? Well, we're going to see a little bit more about what that looks like this morning. So let's pray, and then we're going to open up our Bibles, our Bible apps to Galatians chapter 6 today and continue in the series. But let's pray. Father, we come to you right now. We're so grateful that we have a God who sits not only enthroned above all creation, above the universe, who's high and holy and mighty and lifted up, but also a God who's near, in a, actually in us, indwelling through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so, God, thank you that you're both high and lifted up, but also intimate and personal. And, God, as we prepare to um, enter into this time of your word, would you, would you open our ears and our minds and our hearts? God, as we look at the unrest in the world, as we look at what's happening all over the world, especially right now with Israel, God, all the other events, Lord, would you just continue to remind us that you sit on the throne of life, on the throne of creation, and you can bring the peace, you can bring the hope, you can bring um, all that is needed the restoration that's needed from all these events. And so help us to turn to you and trust you. And uh, the light and the peace that you bring during the unrest in the world. Uh, We ask all these things in Jesus' name. We all said together, amen. All right, open up your Bibles to Galatians chapter 6. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 6, 1. But before we do, we're just going to back it up a couple verses to make sure we have some context. And when you look at Galatians chapter 5, verses 25 and 26, it says, If we live by the Spirit. And every time you see a capital S, who's it referring to? Holy Spirit, right? Uh, Small s is more about like our spirit, okay? But uh, if we live by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. And so the Lord is reminding believers in Christ through the Apostle Paul that those who follow Jesus live by the Spirit. But how do you do that? Well, we talked about that last week quite a bit, that you have to abide in Christ. Remember, in order to walk with the Spirit, you've got to sit with Christ. You've got to abide in Christ, stay connected to Christ. And so that's one part. But the other is to abide in community. And so we're going we're gonna to see this picture of what a community looks like, not one that, that is jealous and envious and biting at each other, but that's walking together in the spirit. And what I want to share with you is three characteristics of a community that's walking in the spirit together. And we're just going to go through these first verses in uh, Galatians 6. So the first characteristic of a community walking in the spirit together is that we restore each other from sin. We restore each other from sin. And uh, what we see here in Galatians 6 1 is this Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Now, before diving into that, I want to I lay the framework of a very important understanding. When we come to Christ, part of what he does for us as an individual and a community is he helps us do for others what he's done for us. Okay, I want to say that again. Jesus and the indwelling Holy Spirit specifically will help us do for others what he has done for us. Well, one of the things that God has done for us is that he has restored us to himself from a place of sin. So if we're going to do for others what he's done for us, then the community walking together in the Spirit is going to restore each other from sin. Brothers, if anyone's caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Now, very important word here. It says brothers. You have a follower of Christ, the Apostle Paul, 
writing to other followers of Christ. So this is uh, instructions that are given to the family. We get ourselves in trouble when we try to apply the family rules to people outside the family, right? So you just try that later on today. Just walk up to some random stranger that maybe is sending it up, be like, hey, I've got to correct you. That's not going to go well, is it? It's not our place. Brothers, you who are spiritual, restore others in the family who are, and the word here, um, caught. I, I want to understand that word caught there. The word caught there means someone who's uh, overwhelmed by, who's been ensnared. Think of being caught in a trap. Uh, we're not talking about, I had a bad day. We're talking about, I'm walking down a course of willful disobedience to God that's sin, and I have no intentions of getting out anytime soon. They're caught or they're trapped. Or maybe they're caught and they would maybe like to get out, but they just don't know how to fight that fight. We've all been there, right? In fact, a lot of us are probably there in some area of your life that there's one particular weakness that we fall prey to when it comes to sin. And hopefully we have others close to us who can speak to us, correct us, be there with us, help, help you know, fight with us when we needed to. But there's some people, and we've been there too sometimes, we have no interest in getting um, restored back to God, restored back to community. What do we do with that situation? Well, this is what this verse is talking about. If we see a brother or sister in a path of sin, and they're not stopping, they're not turning around, then we as a brother and sister in Christ have the opportunity to try to get their attention and warn them and help them. We are instructed by the Lord here through the Apostle Paul that those who are in a good place with the Lord, not perfect, right? None of us are perfect. But if you're spiritually mature, you're spiritually healthy, you've got credibility of character, you who are walking in the Spirit, that's what it means you who are spiritual, that you're in a healthy place, mature place, you're walking well, that once you become aware of a brother or sister in Christ, that's, again, an important distinction, that is actively in a pattern of sin, our role is to lovingly attempt to bring them back to their senses. To lovingly, courageously, and gently engage them, not with a, a goal of shaming or condemning or judging, but restoring. It says restore them. Right there, the word in the Greek is the word katarizo. It means to repair or mend that which is broken. If we see someone broken, how unloving is it to ignore them in their brokenness? If we see a house on fire and there's people in it, what does it say about you if you just keep walking going, I hope they figure it out? I hope somebody else deals with it. It's unloving. And so God is going to move in His Spirit through us to say, you know what? I would like you to do for others what I've done for you. And when you were a mess, and when you were ensnared in your sin, I came to you, and I restored you back to myself. Therefore, that's now part of what you do as you follow me. Now, this is the opposite advice that our flesh gives, and this is the opposite advice that the world gives us. We tell ourselves, and the world tells us, it's not your business. Leave them alone. Don't judge. You know, we have all these different justifications to leave it be, but the Spirit of God leads us to do for us what He's done for us, and He didn't leave us be. And just in case 
you, you're, you're, you're not making that leap yet. Let me just ask you this. If Jesus Christ did not intercept you on the path that you were on, where would you be today? Where would you be today if Jesus didn't grab you and get your attention? You know, sometimes I wonder, I look at my, I look at my birth family, I look at the impulses that were in my life as a young man, I'm going, I'd probably be dead or in jail. Because that's what a lot of my family was in. Or the other side is I'd be so wildly successful in the world, have everything that the world says I need to have, yet I'd still be empty every day, chasing a dream that's really a nightmare when you get a hold of it. Because it leaves you empty. Where would you be if Jesus didn't intercept you? Amen. I'm so grateful that Jesus, who's, who's grateful that Jesus got in the way, right? And there's people out there that need that reminder. There's people out there that need someone brave enough, bold enough, loving enough to say, hey, look, what you're doing right now, it's hurting you. It's hurting your family. And I love you enough to say something. When you come back to your senses, when you come back to the Lord. That's what this means. We restore each other to sin. And then there's this, there's this caution that if we engage those who are overtaken by sin, keep watch on ourselves. You know, it's, you know it's scary. If we're, if we're humble enough and if we're honest enough, we look at some of the, the grievous sins that some of our loved ones are in, some of our family and friends are in, and we might go like, man, that's, that's so destructive. Here's the honest reality. We can be in that same sin in seconds. The first step to failure is thinking you're above failure. The first step to get into that trap is thinking you can't get into the trap. And so the Lord gives the caution, like, if you're going to engage people, keep watch on yourself because you're vulnerable too. Have you ever known somebody who's tried to help others caught in a sin, and next thing you know, they're in the same sin? It happens. It can happen to me. It can happen to you. It can happen to all of us. And so the Lord is saying, look, as you go out on this rescue mission to help people, be aware you're vulnerable and you have to watch out for yourself as well. Now, we need to be people of courage. We need to be people who um, are not cowards when it comes to those in our lives and speaking up when someone needs help. Uh, there was one of many moments that, that stands out in my brain of when someone did that for me. Uh, I was a young man in ministry, and um, I was still struggling with some anger issues in my life. And I was in the church office, of all places, as this young man in my office, and I had an infuriating phone call with a family member. And I lost my temper. And I took that phone receiver, and I just threw it as hard as I could at my desk. And it was like a grenade went off. Broke the phone, broke the lamp, broke some stuff next to it. Just, just made a hot mess right there. And the man next door, who was a spiritual father to me, a mentor, my pastor, engaged me. <laughs> And asked how, you know, what's going on. And, and he didn't come in and shame me. He didn't come in and quote me Bible verses right away. Hey, you know, the anger of man doesn't accomplish the righteousness of God. He didn't do that. He asked me what's going on. He entered into my moment and my emotion. And then he gently over time guided me and helped me recognize the damage I was causing to myself and to others in my life if I were to let that type of anger rule in my life. He loved me enough to get involved 
And so we probably, hopefully, all have people like that in our lives that have gotten involved when we've needed them to, but we're not off the hook. If you're going to do for others what God's done for you, you're going to help restore people, brothers and sisters in Christ specifically, out of a place of sin that they're trapped in. And so if the Spirit leads us to do for others what God's done for us, He restores us from our sin, then a community walking in the Spirit together restores each other from sin. We love each other that much. Also, we bear one another's burdens. Look at Galatians 2, or Galatians 6, 2 through 5. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor, for each will have to bear his own load. Some confusing language there. Looks like there's some contradiction. Let's unpack this a little bit. Fulfilling Christ's law of loving each other happens when we bear each other's burdens. Now, loving your neighbor and fulfilling the law of Christ and bearing one another's burdens are all synonymous expressions. When we talk about bearing one another's burdens, we talk about fulfilling the law of Christ, we talk about loving your neighbor, that's all synonymous. It's all talking about the same type of expression of behavior. And in verse 2, this bearing one another's burdens, the context is related to the verses before. What were the verses before? Helping restore people from sin. So part of bearing one another's burdens is bearing what's going on in their life because of sinfulness. That's the context. And that's what God did for us, right? God saw us in our sinfulness, and he took the burden upon himself. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, He himself, who knew no sin, bore our sin, right? Jesus bore our sin in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you've been healed. There's not a day of my life that goes by that I don't feel worthy of the sacrifice that Jesus paid on the cross for my sin. Anyone else say amen to that? Jesus bore our sins. So it doesn't make sense when you say, we say, well, when other people are sinning it up, you've got to bear some of that. You're like, nah, that's their responsibility. But the reality is, and a lot of you know exactly what I'm talking about, when you love someone so deeply, when you care about somebody, and they're trapped in sin, and it's causing destruction to themselves or others, it hurts us too. Like part of restoring people is that we come in with no heart connect, and we're like, well, I'm better than you, so I'm trying to restore you. No, no, no. We come in just as vulnerable, and we come in with a heart that's hurting because of the sin. And so we start to bear one another's burdens when we start to interact with others who are trapped. That's what that means to bear one another's burdens. But... Although the context is burdens brought on by sin, obviously, and there's a bunch of other verses that speak to this, it also speaks to bearing one another's burdens as believers in general. So we know that God welcomes us to cast our burdens upon Him. And one of the many ways that God deals with our burdens is to send other Christian friends and church family members to help carry them. God often delegates his burden-bearing ministry to us in the church. God, help me with this. 
God, I feel stuck. I feel trapped. I feel overwhelmed. Lord, please help me. Oftentimes what the Lord will do is like, okay, I'm going to send in some backup. I'm going to send in this brother or sister in Christ. And then the irony is a lot of times when those people reach out to us, like, no, I got it. Or we don't open up. Or we deflect or raise up a force field. Or we're too embarrassed. But God delegates his burden-bearing ministry to, to and through the church so that we can bear one another's burdens. And so when we're aware of each other's struggles, here's some of the ways that we bear each other's burdens. We can bear them physically, right? Practical support, physical acts of service, meals, lawns, errands, watch kids, uh, drive people, you know, all those kinds of things. We bring in physical support. Or maybe it's financial support. We, we help them when they have needs beyond their own means. Maybe it's emotional support. It's listening and emoting and feeling their pain and checking in on them. Maybe it's spiritually. You pray with them. You pray for them. You share verses with them. You encourage them in the Lord. People know, like, because here's the reality. You, you can't help everybody, but you can help some. We'll talk about that in a second. But um, a lot of times what I'll do is I'll find a verse or a song, a worship song that's ministered to me in a time of pain, and I'll send that via text to some of my friends that are hurting. It's just one little way to try to bring spiritual support when you know others are bearing great burdens. And so we bear one another's burdens. It's hard, though, because you see all the burdens around you. And then on top of that, we're very aware of our own needs and burdens. We're like, man, I'm overwhelmed. I've mentioned this before, this is a mantra of mine, you're going to hear it again. You can't do it for everybody, but here's a great principle. Do for some what you wish you could do for all. You can't write a note to every hurting person, but you can write one or two. You can't send a text or make a call to everybody that's hurting, but you can send a couple. Some of you might be familiar with Starfish Story. Uh, it's very well known. It's, it's a very dear story that I heard years ago. Uh, one time there was a young man on the beach, and tide had gone out, and there were just hundreds and hundreds of starfish on the beach. And so he started walking down the beach, picking up starfish, and just chucking them back into the ocean. And this uh, older man walks up to him and says, Son, what are you doing? So I'm saving starfish. And he goes, Well, how are you doing that? He says, I'm throwing them back in. He goes, Look at the beach. Look at all these starfish. You, you're not going to make a difference. There's just too many. And the little, man just, little boy just picked up a starfish off the ground, looked at it, and goes, well, it makes a difference to this one, and chucked it in the ocean, right? If I, I, can't, I can't help them all, but I can help a couple. But here's the question. What if we all have one? What if we all have two or three? What if a group this size says this week, I'm going to make sure I'm really going to help at least one or two people? That's a lot. You compound that together. So you can't help them all, but you can help some. On this note, by the way, um, I just want to say one, one of the attractive qualities of North Bible Church, when we were talking about you know, the possibility of being together for ministry, and one of the things that I've found to be true since I've been here for six months now is that we as a community do that well. All the stories I've heard, all the front row seats I've had to you caring for one another has been so encouraging. 
all the stories of meals being taken to hurting people, watching kids, and just blessing one another financially, just helping bear one another's burdens. Like, I'm not talking to a group of people that go, oh, that's a new concept. Thanks for sharing that. It's kind of like, Pastor, we've been doing that for years. I know. And you do it well. Let's keep doing it together. We're called to bear one another's burden. I love, love, love this quote from a, a global preacher, an author, uh, the late John Stott. He said this, To love one another as Christ loves us may lead us not to some heroic, spectacular deed of self-sacrifice, but to much more mundane and unspectacular ministry of burden-bearing. Did you get that? I think, I think part of us wants to make the big splash. Like, man, we just want to come in and just do this big heroic act. And it's just, this is amazing. But really, the heroic acts are just all the little tiny heroic acts added up. That's the ministry God's called us to as we bear one another's burdens. Now, a lot of people really don't want to be bothered by other people's problems. And this passage speaks to that. It says that this isn't going to happen for those who think they are something. (laughs) And the reality is our flesh and our pride pushes back against being these kinds of people. A lot of people really don't want to be bothered by other people's problems. They only want to help if it boasts uh, boosts their image. Oh man, this will make a great Instagram post. And this will be a great photo. Make me look really good. I'm going to help these people. There's nothing wrong with celebrating publicly awesome, beautiful moments but the motive is so important. But there's some people out there that honestly, if it's convenient or it makes them look good, they're all in. But outside of that, the unrecognized acts of service, no way. It's inconvenient. I'm not going to do it. That's what it means to think we're something when we are nothing. We're conceited. We're self-centered. We're walking in the flesh and we're unwilling to bear other people's burdens. We're typically unaware of the needs of others around them because all we see is our own needs. What needs? I only see my own. We can easily go there and become one of those people that's really self-centered and we think we're something when we're nothing. It's hard to help carry the burdens of others when you're too obsessed with your own. And yet, at the same time, we have to be responsible for the burdens we carry also. But is there room in your life, is there room in your heart for other people's burdens? Let me, let me just interact with this. Let, throw a pie chart up here. So I'm just going to throw a pie chart up here. If you see this pie chart, it's just got a little sliver here. What's more true of your life? Is your life all purple? You got a little yellow room for the burdens of others? That, that works. That's great. Or is it the flip? Right, where you're consumed by all the needs of others, but you've got little opportunity to take care of your own. I guess the pie chart is just a question for you. If you were to pie chart your burden-bearing experience right now, what would it look like? What would your pie chart look like? Would it be 50-50? 60-40? Because I believe right now the Holy Spirit might be convicting some of us going, um, mine's all one color, just all me. And there's no room for other people. And so if we're going to do what God did for us to others, we, we have to make room to bear one another's burdens in our life and look for the opportunities. Activate our radar for opportunities to bless others. 
So I think, I think we get that. I want to interact with some very interesting verses here that we looked at a few minutes ago. Here we are. We're cruising through Galatians 6. We're being instructed to bear one another's burdens. And then we run into verses 4 through 6. Testing our own work. Boasting in yourself, not your neighbor. You're like, I thought we're not supposed to brag on ourselves, right? Bearing our own load. Wait, I thought, I thought we're supposed to bear other people's loads. So we're like, which one? Is it bear the loads of others or bear our own? Yes. That's the answer, right? Which one do I bear? Both. It's the both and. These are complementary concepts, not contradictory concepts. This is where the original language really helps us understand what's being said here. So when we look at the Greek language here, the word burden is the word baros. It usually means a heavy weight, something that you would put on a, a mule, a beast of burden. It's so heavy. It's overwhelming. And so there's all this baros out there. You can't carry your baros alone. God designed us that we would experience overwhelming burdens in our life so that other people would come into our lives to help. It's built in, designed by God for community. So we're not isolated. We're not prideful. And so, as we look around the room, if you will, you're going to see a lot of baros, a lot of heavy loads. That some people just need, you know, it's like seeing someone carrying a couch up a flight of stairs by themselves. It's like, let me, let me come help you pick that up and get it to where you need it to go. It's that kind of spirit, right, in our, in our hearts. But then the word here talks about carrying your own load. So we have burden, baros, but load, which is the word fartion. Fartion is more like a little pack a little backpack that you carry yourself. And so we help others carry what they can't while we still carry our own pack at the same time. We all have a fartion, this little pack that we carry, but we're always looking for the baros of the other people. That's where the original language helps us understand what is meant there. And so if the Holy Spirit of God is going to lead us to do for others what he's done for us, He's going to help us restore others away from sin. He's going to help us to bear the burdens of others. And the third characteristic and last characteristic I want to look at today of this community walking in the Spirit together is this. We will also sow seeds of good deeds. Look at verses 6 through 10. Let the one who has taught the Word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, which if you really look at the translation there, it's kind of like, because we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. In essence, what you sow is what you grow. If you sow to the flesh, corruption. You sow to the spirit, life. You sow to the flesh, it's, it's earthly, it's temporary, it's fleeting. You sow to the spirit, it's eternal. It's invaluable forever, and it's fruitful for God. 
And this is uh, what we see here. Now, the word here is sharing, by the way. It says, let him who you know, teaches share. The word sharing here is interesting. It's different than donating. Like donating is appreciated. It's a good thing. It could be generous, but it can also be detached from the ownership. So, for example, as a church, when we look at our ministry, we look at our budget, we look at uh, where we serve and our ministry partners and all of our events and activities and opportunities for growth and connection, all of that is in the spirit of sharing because there's ownership. We, we all have a mission to help connect people to Christ and help them grow in Christ. And so when, when, we, when we give to the church, when we're involved in serving, when we pray, when we're inviting people, there's this sharing ownership that we all have because we're all participants. And so when it says, when the one faithfully shares, we are saying we are all part of this happening. The church's mission is my mission. There's ownership. I'm sharing in it. Uh, we really do see the church as the best way to reach you and your friends and your family and the community. So you are sharing in that mission to connect people to Jesus and his people and his mission. And those who regularly share here at North are helping bear the burden of ministry responsibility. And so just on behalf of your staff, just thank you. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for praying for this church. Thank you for serving in this church. Thank you for giving to this church. You're sharing in the mission. It's not just a donation. It's an aspect of ownership. Thank you so much for your investment. But we also see here this sowing to the flesh. Those are those who share, right? But there's other people who are so busy showing, sowing to the flesh. What does that mean? It means living for the flesh. So it's the flip. We use our time, our energy, our effort, our money on things that will not last. Sowing to the flesh means feeding the flesh. So instead of crucifying the old self and its sinful desires, we nourish it with our thoughts, our actions, our resources. So when we sow to the flesh, you're going to find impurity. You're going to find immoral sexuality. You're going to find wasteful indulgence. You're going to find moments of no self-control. You're going to find hanging with the wrong people. You're going to find uh, holding a grudge, uh, little forbidden flirts with those who are married, lies, you name it, right? All these yummy little morsels to the flesh. But if we do that, what do you harvest? If you plant that, if you sow that, what do you harvest? Corruption, moral erosion, broken relationships, lost trust, uh, spiritual quicksand. Nothing that we indulge in lasts. It's all eventually corrupted and destroyed. And so those who dedicate their life to the flesh clearly never had the Spirit. <laughs> if that's your life and there's nothing outside of that, then the Spirit can't be there. That's, that's the conclusion. But we've been called to sow to the Spirit because we've been given the Holy Spirit to live inside of us as followers of Christ. So what does that mean? It means spending our time and money and energy on that which has eternal value. Sowing to the Spirit means keeping the old nature dead, keeping us from being enslaved to sinful indulges, 
It means desires and impulses that want to grab us by the neck don't have a grip. Sowing to the Spirit is done when our thoughts and actions are on Christ and on heaven and on doing that which pleases God. So Scripture and prayer and loving others well, serving others, blessing others, being generous, sharing Christ, developing holy habits to keep us spiritually healthy, that's all what happens when we're sowing in the Spirit. And we get eternal life, and we get peace, and we get joy. You get the best sense of purpose that you've ever had if you're sowing to the Spirit. But it's a transformation that takes place. One of the things, when we go back to these verses, I think this is so important. Go back to Galatians 6. I think this is timely for us. Look at verse 9. Let us not grow weary of doing good. Look, if we're going to be honest, there's times where like, I'm just tired of doing good. I feel like I'm investing. I feel like I'm helping. And I, just, I don't know if I see the return on investment yet. I'm not, you know, it's, it's like the little kid that, that in kindergarten plants a little seed in the cup, right? We've all done this, right? Put the little seed in the cup, and then they just watch, and they wait for the plant. Like, where is it? You just, just got to wait. <laughs> got to pour some water on there and just wait and wait. And that's why we see the rest of this verse. It says, in due season, we will reap if we don't give up. Some of you have been loving, investing, doing the right thing as long as you can. You're like, I don't know. I don't know if this is going to pay off. Just don't give up. Keep planting, keep watering, keep trusting. In due season, God will bring the fruitfulness when it's time. The problem is we operate on the specific kind of, uh, talk about time zones, we operate on uh, the NST, the now standard time zone. We want it now. But God doesn't always, and typically doesn't, do it on that time zone. It takes time. So we sow good deeds. We sow seeds of good deeds on the regular. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, what's the next two words? Good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're always sowing seeds of good deeds, especially to those who are brothers and sisters in Christ and also to those who are outside the church. Uh, Just one quick story on that. Uh, We challenged you guys, the the neighbor challenge for Halloween night. Like go and, you know, either just be the most amazing neighbor you can be or partner up with someone else and and just be super intentional about leveraging Halloween night for the sake of your neighbors and friends and the people you interact with. Heard a great story this last week of, of a woman who did that. They typically neighbor well, but basically she sowed the good seeds of good needs by listening intentionally to another mom. She just really made space in that evening to listen to another mom. And that mom was just downloading her worries and her fears and her burdens and offloading them to her. And, and this woman's child oftentimes comes over uh, the North family member's home and has meals and they pray together. And this woman is identifying that there's something different about this family. And that their child is drawn to them. And so, so there was just this cultivation of trust and authentic relationship. Because one person decided, you know what, I'm just, I'm just going to bear the burden a little bit here. And I'm just going to sow some seeds of relationship and give the gift of listening. And, and we believe like that type of behavior can lead those people to come to Christ. 
And so we know what this looks like. We just have to be faithful to be consistent through it. So, if the Holy Spirit of God is going to lead us to do for others what he's done for us, he's going to lead us to help restore people back from sin, to bear one another's burdens, and to sow seeds of good deeds. That's what it looks like if we're all walking in the Spirit together. Now, I want to take those three characteristics, and I want to just give you a little time for some personal application and personal reflection. I want you to look at those three. Restoring others from sin, bearing others' burdens, and sowing seeds of good deeds. And here's my question. If you were to rate those from strongest to weakest, right? Like, which one do you feel like you're the strongest in right now? There's a second that you're like, you're doing pretty good in. And the third is like, I think I'm probably weakest in this area. How would you rank those? Just take a second, look at those three phrases, and rank those in your mind. What would be number one? What would be number two? What would be number three? Where would you put those if you were to rate yourself on how you're doing in those categories right now? My encouragement to you is whatever comes to your mind for the number one slot, thank God for that. That's God's work in you. He's done that for you. He's done that in you. Thank Him for that. Whatever one's on the lowest one, just ask God to help you to do that better. Ask God to help you do that more. Obviously, we want him to do all of those. But maybe that's why you're here today, to hear that challenge, to grow in that one area. That's your personal application. But I also want to take a couple minutes to talk about community application. What's your next step to get to greater engage in the community as we walk in the Spirit together, to better share in the ownership of this church and our mission? Here's a few options. Membership. Being a member of a church is your way of saying, these are my people, this is my family, um, give me a jersey, <laughs> this is my team. And so if you've never actually made a formal step of membership at North Bible Church, uh, we can help you take those next steps and find out more about that. Or are you in a life group? Like when we come here on Sundays, this is so important because we come together, it's like a big huddle, we worship, we learn, but this is kind of a monologue. You hear some big bald guy with a big mouth yap at you for 30, 40 minutes. Sing some great songs to the Lord, but we're not having a conversation. Where are you having the conversations? Where are you one-anothering? And so are you in a life group? Are you in community? Where you get to meet with other believers throughout the week and talk more about this together and have the conversation. And where true encouragement on a relational level can take place. If you are interested in membership or life group, just email us at info at northbible.com. Easy address. Info at northbible.com and say, I'd like to find out more about membership. I'd like to find out more about life group. And we'll help plug you into those. But there might be someone else here who's like, man, this, this thought of God living inside of me, what you said about Jesus dying for my sin, Doing, he did that for me. He, he bore my sin on the cross. I've never truly trusted that. I've never truly taken that step of faith. Today can be the day that you do that. 
In fact, I'm just going to put a prayer up on the screen. It's just a, it's just a guide. There's nothing magical about these words. But if you're like, how, how do I tell God that's what I want to do? You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to bow your head. You can if you want. But you can just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm lost. I'm broken. I can't work my way out of my own sin. I can't work my way to you. So I'm turning in you. And I'm believing in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose from the grave. I believe you're alive right now, inviting me to come to you and to follow you. So right here, right now, I commit my life to following you. Just tell him that. If you do, our job is to come alongside you and celebrate that with you, then help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. You'll find a card and a seat right by you. On that card, you can just pull that out, write down your information, Mark, receive Christ. There's some black boxes on the doors, uh, by the doors on the way out. You can slip one in there. Or if you'd like to make the personal connect, myself and a few others are going to be hanging out here after the service. Just come up to us and go, give my life to Christ today. What's next? And we'd love to celebrate that with you and tell you what your next steps would be. All right, let's spend some time praying together. We've talked a lot about God. Let's take a minute and talk to God. Just close your eyes, bow your head. just helps us focus. There's a prayer that I'm going to ask you to launch from. This is personal. Would you tell the Lord, help me to do for others what you've done for me? Lord, help me do for others what you've done for me. And kind of elaborate on that. Just, just spend a few seconds telling that to the Lord. Now let's pray for our church. Would you pray prayers around this concept? Lord, help us. Help us at North Bible Church. Do for others what you've done for us. And pray that for our church. Just take a minute and pray that for our church. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.